Jaguars Digital. Jaguars. Jaguars Digital. Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sexton. John Osher. Ashlyn Sullivan. Jaguars Drive Time starts right now. Here we go. Happy Tuesday morning to you. Welcome to Jags Drive Time on TuneIn Radio and Twitter, Periscope, the whole nine yards. Welcome to April, everyone. Bright, sunny day here. I was in Kansas City over the weekend, John Osier, and it was snowing on Easter. I can't tell you how nice it is to be back in Florida. Sure you can. Go ahead and tell me. It's nice to be back oh, in well, Florida. <laughs> that's good. And it's, uh, yeah, it's spring. Nice to see you. It's sprung. Let's go. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Really? I'm great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's great. <laughs> you know, I'm a I, happy person. You're right? that kind of guy where you say, he's great, just ask him. That's right. Right? If you want to know how oh, great you he meant- is. How am I in terms of just my ability to do things? Absolutely great. <laughs> I, I love it. How is that I like feeling? It. I like it when you're energetic. On I'm a ready Tuesday to go. Morning. Is it because it's April? Because there's a lot happening this month. There's a state of the franchise and the sure. uniform unveiling. And not long down the road, uh, the draft is uh, three weeks from Thursday. Sure. It's, it, it's April that's got you all hyped up. Well, and it it has turned into a month that has uh, some energy. I don't know that that's why I'm great, but... It certainly is a reason to be excited about the Jaguars. Well, it's better than thinking about tax day, which is coming up in two weeks sure. as well. All right, let's introduce you to the third member of our team. Hello, Ashlyn Sullivan. Are you great this morning also, or are we just talking about good for you? What do you I think? I am great, yes. I'm excited for April. Big okay. things coming. Well, then why don't you start with the big things? All right, big thing number one, draft for defense. With the money that was spent during free agency with additions like Andrew Norwell, now it's looking like defense might be the big picture here. Looking at next season when you're going to try to want to pay Ramsey and Ngakwe, that's looking like depth might be really key here this season. You know, uh, John, as I looked at it, and I I get it, when when people are looking at this roster, they think, well, the defense is set. Got to get the offense taken care of. And that may be the case. I mean, you may see the first-round pick be an offensive tackle, a wide receiver, whatever. But, you know, the salary cap says they have to address their defense in this draft, too. Because rough numbers now. The Jaguars for 2019 are well over the salary cap, something we haven't seen around here in recent years. And so I just, I just wrote down some names and numbers. Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, Malik Jackson, A.J. Boye, um, and the two safeties. Barry Church and right. Deshaun Gibson are $57 million against the cap next year. Mm-hmm. Plus, Dante Fowler Jr. is a guy, whether you keep him or not, you may not be able to. You have to account for him. Yeah, yeah. You, have to, you have to start accounting for that. So when you look, and I know everyone thinks right here, right now, and we're a year-to-year league, I'm not discounting that. But when you see the amount, not all six of those guys can be here in 2019 no. on those numbers. So that means value. And 29 may fit for a guard. It may fit for a tackle or a tight end or a wide receiver but it may also fit for a defensive player and the Jaguars may need to start thinking about 2019 as opposed to 2018 because of the way that the cap is structured well it's an interesting concept and I think it's one we're going to wrestle with all month because obviously they're not going to tell us the draft strategy and the reality is they may not know it I, I, I would guess with 29 there are going to be multiple plans um it will show us uh, clearly how they're thinking in terms of are are we absolutely win now? Are we putting all of our eggs in the 2018 well, didn't, basket? Didn't, Fran, didn't free agency tell us that? Uh, it did, except for if you're going if you're going to do that, 
then there's nothing wrong with coming back on the back end and drafting for best available player, which is what you're talking about. If they do what you do, it's not all in for 2018. Agreed. So a free agency may have told us that, but yet you're raising the point that they might not be doing that. So it's a question to wrestle with. Right. I have no idea. I think they're going to go offensive line in the first round because there's a thought here that if they go offensive line in the first round, then you're building what Dallas had a couple of years ago where you can just run, 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 and that helps your defense. So that would be a move that would also be looking ahead to, to when some of those defensive players are gone, trying to turn themselves into a team that can be good enough running the ball that it can help a defense that is not as talented as it was maybe in 2016. So you, could see, you could see a blend of the two concepts, right? The, use the first pick for the best offensive player. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, second round, third round, before free agency came, we had the conversation here about they could use this entire draft mm-hmm. on offense. You needed you needed players everywhere: offensive line, sure. wide receiver, tight end, running back. You know, um, but in free agency, they addressed everything. They got somebody to fill every slot, including the trade for Cody Kessler last week. So now I'm with you, and I think I used the name Orlando Brown a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, as as that right tackle, I've seen some mock drafts where Connor Williams from Texas or Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame Same concept, are sitting there. Right. right. You're talking about the best right tackle prospect that you could possibly get in here to shore up the offensive line for the long term. But beyond that, second round, third round, fourth round, defense, defense, defense mm-hmm. might make more sense because they went all in in free agency and all in in this year. Yeah. They're all in in this year in free agency, but in the draft, they have to think about 19. Yeah, I agree, and I would be surprised if there's not a running back mixed in there somewhere. There has to be. Again, because of the way they want to play, and I just see them overall shifting over time to a team that can be dominant enough running the ball where that is their calling card as opposed to maybe the defense being all the calling card, which it was last year. Well, and the Ravens... Gosh, forever, it seems like their their calling card has been defense, defense, defense. And from the Ray Lewis era through today, Baltimore has been able to keep that defense at or near the top of the league for years and years and years. But the way that the Jaguars look like they're building it, that defense is going to be together for two seasons. Right. Two dominant seasons, and then you have to start replacing guys quickly. Well, the thing that you hope happens is Jalen Ramsey— Miles Jack and Ngakwe and uh, Telvin Smith become so good that you they become Trump players that Jalen Ramsey, if you have to let one of the safeties go, you're still a great defense because he's so good. Miles Jack, the same deal. Perhaps Ngakwe, the same deal. I don't know that he'll be the dominant player overall that Clayus Campbell is. But as a pass rusher, uh, then he's dominant. So you hope that your core guys, that you draft well enough, that your stars can carry you when you perhaps don't have as many guys who are considered frontline guys. Uh, That becomes tougher because it puts a lot of pressure on the stars and nobody better get hurt. But that's the reality of the salary cap. If if you're going to have superstars, which Jalen Ramsey is and Miles Jack, I think, is going to be, then it's a lot harder to have eight or nine guys who everybody thinks of as, oh, we're set as a starter there. I just think it's interesting, you know, uh, as Dave and his team with Tim Walsh and John Idzik built through free agency in recent years, 
they were basically two-year intervals, mm-hmm. two-year blocks. And, and when you had guys like Jared Odrick and Julius Thomas, you're ready to move on past those guys in two years. You probably don't necessarily want to move on past this group right. of players, but you're probably going to have to because of the way they structured it. But you're working in two-year increments in the NFL now, and you have to be thinking, all right, what are we going to do after that? Um, probably worth saying this every time we do the show. The draft has never been more important to the Jaguars. Right. That, that, and not the first round. I'm talking third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, undrafted free agency, guys like A.J. Boye and Andrew or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nor- uh, Norwell right. yeah. um, are undrafted rookie free agents mm-hmm. who hit it big, but you paid big. you got to go find some of those guys now because that will allow you to keep your team together longer at those lower numbers. The draft is paramount. Well, and, and the good news is, you know, it – it's easy to lose perspective on how well the Jaguars have drafted in 14 and 16 in particular when you consider the draft class of 14, uh, an inordinate number of players have re-signed either with this team or with other teams. Colvin, Robinson, Lee, Bortles, uh, Brandon Linder, Telvin Smith. That's, that's a huge number for you one bet. draft class. And then the 16 draft class, obviously, when you have Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and, and uh, Unique Ngakwe. They obviously need more drafts like this. As much as they've built through free agency, those two drafts are huge drafts for this franchise. And they put a lot of pressure on that scouting staff to do it again. Because remember, the draft picks play at such a low fixed cost compared to the guys that you're going to pay here in the next couple of years. All right, we're talking about guys who are here and who could be here. How about the guys that might be walking through the door this week? It's a big week for NFL teams as they host draft prospects. Some are reported to be in Jacksonville, including that guy, Bulls' own Hayden Hurst. We'll talk about the value of a visit in big things when we return to Jags Drive Time on TuneIn Radio. What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars Jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time on this Tuesday morning. Beer with big thing number two, a visit's value. This is the week when NFL teams invite NFL draft prospects to the stadium. Each team has 30 invitations. Brian, I know you and I talked about it this morning. This is a big week for those prospects, getting a chance to upgrade their stock. Yeah, and I know everyone's going to be looking at the names, uh, the tight ends. You know, we just alluded to, John, who will be rolling through here. And obviously the Jaguars will have some of those guys in. Um, everyone's looking for the names they know, the big names that they know. I'll give you two examples of guys who have come through. Uh, I remember back in 1997, they rolled in um, uh, Tony Gonzalez, the tight end from Cal. Everyone knew that, right? He spent a lot of time in this general area 
because uh, they didn't know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. And so he'd go make a visit with, you know, the scouting staff or whatever, and then he'd end up back over here. And with him was a big offensive-looking guy. He was a defensive tackle, and his name was Seth Payne from Cornell. And I can remember being on the clock in the fourth fourth round and saying to somebody, I wonder I wonder if this is the, where they take that big tackle from Cornell. Sure enough, Seth Payne comes in. It is a productive NFL career. One more of the better of picks in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. And more, you got and more in Houston, where he became a, a household name because mm-hmm. he was a dominant zero technique, you know, nose guard. Right. Um, one of the better nose guards in the league. I'll give you a more recent example. Two years ago, uh, they're rolling players through. And back then, we were allowed to talk to him. We set up a little set across the hallway, and we'd interview him. And in comes this defensive end from Maryland, and I had to ask him, how do you pronounce your name? Uh, it's Yannick Ngakwe, right? Again, not a guy right. that a lot of people knew. And when they were on the clock in the third round, I got a text from my brother-in-law who said, what are the Jaguars going to do here? I said, try Yannick Ngakwe. I think the Jaguars really liked him. I did. When I interviewed right. him, he had great answers to the questions. And sure enough, here comes mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe. So, yeah, the first you know, big-name guys – there's value there. There's more values for guys like that. Yeah. Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, and it's important to keep these visits in perspective in the sense that everybody this time of year gets really excited Well, the Jaguars talk to so-and-so at the Senior Bowl and they talk to so-and-so at the Combine and they interviewed him here. At some point, teams interview pretty much everybody somewhere. This has value in terms of, you know, if there's 30 guys here, at some point in the next week, realistically, you're going to draft two of them. Sure. So it's still the odds are that most of the guys that uh, people get excited about, I think Orlando Brown's one of the names, for example. Well, that's great, except there might be 15 other teams also interested in Orlando Yeah, Brown. this isn't the only visit he so makes. So it gives you an idea of a direction they might go. The fact that there are tight ends certainly gives you – it confirms what we assume and that they'd be looking at that crop. Uh, I tend not to get overly excited about the guys who come here just because it's hard to know if they're actually going to be here. But to me, it it overall percentage-wise gives you some sort of feel for the direction they're looking. And the fact that there are tight ends, offensive linemen, certainly makes you think that those are possibilities. You know, and talk about the value of the visit, right? Because the Jaguars see these guys on right. tape. They see them on the college campus. They talk to their coaches and the staff at wherever university they play. They get them in Indianapolis in many cases. You know, so what's the overall value of the visit? And I can remember there was a question that we talked with Yannick about and then those players that year, and it was, it was about money. And his answer about money was great. I like it. Uh, his answer was, <laughs> no, okay. his answer was right. it, 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 it's not that important to me. Okay. The money isn't my driving factor. And somebody from the scouting staff said, so, you know, what'd you think? They were just, you know, quizzing, sure. just finding, what did you think of the guys? They weren't taking notes or anything like that. But I remember saying, hey, I asked him this question. He gave me this specific answer mm-hmm. about what was important to him. And I can remember saying, oh, you know, they're looking for every sure. little piece of information. And it's not just when the coach sits down. It's the interaction maybe with the secretary up front. How was he when he walked in? Right. Oh, he said good morning. He was a nice kid. I liked him. Yeah. All those little things, every little, again, really low on the totem pole in terms of the value overall to well, the They equation, want to be able to observe them under they want, pressure. Exactly. Too. They want to know how they're going to be here in this right. environment. And I'll bet. That it's more important to Unique next off season when he's negotiating. Oh, that there's contract. no doubt. He didn't he say he didn't like he, money, right. but he no. said it wasn't his driving. Factor. Right. And your point is that when they get you here, know. 
they always like to see players in different situations. They like to see them under pressure. They like to see them around other players to see it, if if they're guys who sort of take the initiative and a lead in a situation. That's more important at the combine. But anytime they can get guys in a situation where they're interacting, then you can see them beyond where you're just interviewing them face-to-face. Often they're so rehearsed at the interviews right. that they don't get a real feel for the guys. So those conversations are just as important when they circle back to somebody they know, talk to the player when the player wasn't really on stage right. and find out what kind of guy he was. Well, because they're not here to run a 40 or to you know lift the bar and how many times can you press 225 or take the wonder lick. It's to see what kind of a person they are in these kinds of settings, the kinds of daily settings and interactions that they'll have with people. Back to Ashlyn for Big Thing 3. Ashlyn? Big Thing 3. Spring is here. Sprung has sprung. Whatever you want to call it, April is a big month here. State of the Franchise on April 19th, where we'll get a look at those new uniforms. The draft, three short weeks away. OTAs on May 22nd. That's the starting date. Some football happening here pretty soon, guys. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it, John. Uh, the first thing is is that on the 16th, mm-hmm. two weeks from yesterday, right? the out-of-season program begins. So the guys who are going to be here mm-hmm. are going to come in and start working out, stretching, that kind of stuff. Right. And that's really their starting day. OTAs are when they're on the field, and that's when fans sort of think is the off-season program starting. But the off-season program in terms of their conditioning, in terms of being here with uh, Thomas Linsky, and in terms of starting the process of working toward uh, training camp, uh, uh, for the players, that's when that begins, and that's when their uh, downtime is over, if you will. So yeah, that's but really it's not the It's not mandatory, though. And I, you know, no. I think we've all heard grumblings that there'll be guys. You know, we've got a, this roster is different than recent years. You've got some talented guys with some uh, some wide perspectives on the world that travel and are involved in in business opportunities. I, I don't know that you're going to see every player here every day like well, we have in recent well, years. And it's the old thing. If you're uh, if if you're good enough, I mean, I would think players such as Jalen Ramsey, uh, Leonard Fournette, it's, it, it's usually higher-profile guys who aren't. Um, the It's all okay as long as you show up in and shape play that way, right. and as long as you're ready to go. A guy like Jay, I, I have no idea if Jalen will be here or not. But in that case, uh, most coaches, most football people will tell you it's fine if you don't show up. I was in Indy for uh, 10 years. Sure. Marvin Harrison never showed up at an OTA. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame, so nobody cared. Yeah. So that's the uh, drawing point. And people talk about chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think younger players generally should be here during OTAs just – or I'm sure OTAs, but uh, during the whole thing just to be part of it. But as you get older, if you're great, so what? Well, and I think that's the thing is the roster was more in flux in recent years mm-hmm. and guys were fighting for jobs. Sure. Because you've got more guys who are guaranteed jobs on this defense. And so I think the expectation is you'll see a lot of guys rolling through here a day, here a day, there. Right. But you might not see the 100% participation that you have in years past isn't as important. Yeah, the only position that really needs to be here all the time is quarterback, oh, yeah. especially once they're on the field. It's 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 always critical, and and you rarely see quarterbacks not in the offseason program because they know the value of their leadership, that whole thing. Everybody else is sort of a satellite around that. It's not quite foot on the gas time, but you can sense that it's getting closer. Well, it becomes on, on, uh, on April 16th, it becomes foot on the gas time. All right, here we go. Time for us to take a break. When we return, Ozone Snapshot. Jack's drive time on a beautiful Tuesday morning here in Jacksonville. And we'll return on TuneIn Radio and Twitter after this.
Jag stands. Experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars Jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team. Happy to have you back with us on Jags Drive Time. Let's do some Ozone snapshots. First one, JP from Orlando. Johnny, with the Jags trusting their future in Blake Bortles, should they go ahead and draft another running back in the first round and run the old wing tee? First of all, I thought uh, JP was working on his shed all weekend, so I was yeah, surprised he was in Orlando. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a sarcastic question, obviously. Obviously not going to run the wing tee. But the question does speak to the point that we talked about earlier. I'm fascinated, Brian, to figure out uh, where this team is going to draft running back. Um, I go back and forth on it because every time I think, well, they won't draft it until later, I think, boy, this is a team that really wants to run the ball. And you could see them taking the approach, we're going to be the Falcons, we're going to be the Saints, who in the last couple of years have had two-headed running backs who were absolutely dynamic and absolutely helped those teams to the Super Bowl and, and uh, to within a couple of games of the Super Bowl. Um, do you draft it that high two years in a row? Boy, that's unconventional. Who's there, though? But the way they want to play, uh, I could see it in the first two rounds. Either the two Georgia kids there at the bottom of the second round? Uh, 60, 61, something like that? Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be tough to pass on one yeah. of those guys. Especially because you want to play the style that Leonard Fournette has, mm-hmm. right? And you know his style's not going to let him be active 16 games. I right. mean, the chances of that are as rare as the Jaguars' chances of getting 99% of their defensive starts, mm-hmm. right? Again this year. So what if you could get a, a big bruising right. back? in the Chubb kid? I mean, I don't watch a lot of college ball, but right. from what I see of the tape and the analysis I read, that he it's looks right like he, yeah, he plays right. that kind of Fournette style. And if he's sitting there at the bottom of the second round, he's healthy. And why he not? would be back to what you wanted to be last year, which is Fournette starting, uh, uh, Chris Ivory being, I, I think they expected more from Chris Ivory last year, and that's why yeah. he's not back. Uh, Corey Grant with a change of pace. And then you have TJ Yeldon, who's a very good uh, pass blocker, third down guy. Um, it's important to remember when we talk about a possible draft pick playing that backup role, that doesn't mean Corey Grant not a factor. I just don't see Corey Grant as the guy that they want. If Fournette is hurt, I don't know that you want him starting three games yeah. in a row. Well, I remember when Marty Schottenheimer had uh, Christian Okoye, and they went and grabbed Barry Word. Right. right? Two big bruising backs because, boy, could they run the ball in Kansas City back in those days. All right, back to you, Ashlyn. By the way, that was the early 90s before you were born. But right. go ahead. I figured. All right. <laughs> Ozone number two, Steven from Duval. Mr. O, roster looks pretty set for starters. I think AJ can is the weak spot, but we could use an upgrade at wide receiver and linebacker. I know we are almost set up for best available player in the first and second rounds, but what is your gut feeling for the first two picks? Boy, you know, and it's so tough because of what we talked about earlier, Brian. Oh, yeah. it, it, 
free agency skewed everything. Because they're so set up for BAT. For our okay. perspective, right. Right. It's hard to know. I still think they're going offensive line and or tight end <laughs> both early with maybe a running back in the third round. Um, it just feels like they're gearing up to be that sort of team and that they would like to be that much more dynamic and strong at, at those three spots. And yet as soon as I say that, I circle back to how much sense it makes to take at least one defensive guy in there. Yeah. So um, there's going to be a lot of theories this month, and I wish I had a better feel for a gut on uh, where they're going to go, but I think they created that by what they did in free agency enables them not to have to be desperate during the draft. I have read and talked to people who have told me that this is a very deep draft for wide receiver, not necessarily elite, but you look at the Miller kid from Memphis mm-hmm. or the, I forget his name, the kid from Colorado State. I mean, those are guys that will be available in the third, fourth, fifth round, that there are receivers to be had, that there are tight ends that you can find. Um, but the big guys go fast. So I'll go with offensive line, defensive line, first two picks, maybe a running back in the third. That would make Makes sense, sense to me because they want to run the ball. You obviously have to be able to stop the run. Big guys are at a premium. I could see them going there. I could really see them this year. If somebody is is trying to trade into the first round to get a quarterback, I could definitely see this team trying to move back and pick up something in the second, third, fourth somewhere because of what we're talking about, right. that there's really not a need position. You could see them being willing to drop back five or six spots to pick up an extra pick. And I'm always the guy who says, I never talk trades for the draft because you can't predict it, but it makes sense in this situation. Ashton, you got one more? One more. Let's finish it up with Bob from South Carolina. Seems to me that a pretty big deal is that the entire coaching staff comes back this year knowing the players and the players knowing the system and what's expected. Therefore, building on last year's success with an important improved roster from day one. Yeah, Doug Marone, every time he's talked publicly this uh, year since the uh, championship game, at the Combine and the owners' meetings, has gone out of his way to mention that. It's a rare thing in the NFL to have your entire staff back because usually you're either losing guys because you performed well or because you didn't perform well. It's rare to have this. So uh, they need to take advantage of it because there is an element of continuity with Blake Bortles. There's also an element uh, with uh, Nate Hackett. And having Todd Wash back and Nathaniel Hackett back, if they succeed this year, I don't know that you'll get that again. Well, how many times did Nathaniel Hackett say to us last year that Blake Bortles was in his first year in the system? Mm-hmm. And how many, how many times did he have that? And look at how he improved in the second right. half of that season. So right. that's, to me, that's the most interesting dynamic is how much can Blake improve under Nathaniel Hackett in the second year? How real is that? Nate sure thinks that he's going to take a big step being in his second year under him, and obviously the team thinks that or they wouldn't have resigned. You had both coaches and players learning the new systems last year. This year it's just players and just the new players at that, which will be a handful. So, John, thanks so much for Ashlyn Sullivan, Joe Fortunato, and Patrick Cavanaugh. We appreciate you joining us on Jags Drive Time on a Tuesday morning. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. Enjoy the sunshine.